Uh, I'd like to welcome to my uh, podcast today. I have Christian from Toronto is broken. Welcome, Christian. Hello. Hello. How, How you are doing? you doing? I'm, I'm good, man. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I think we were chatting earlier. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of in, in the middle of my summer holidays because I work as a teacher. So I'm quite lucky in that oh. respect. And yeah, just catching up on a lot of lot of everything, really. Yeah. Music related. Um, so obviously since announcing uh, the signing to Fix, well, since signing with Fix, like back in March, it's been pretty... Yeah pretty non-stop and we've had a lot going on which is great so yeah the benefit no. of being a teacher is i get all these blocks of time to catch up on things That's, as well yeah. with my own label as well so that is awesome that is awesome i mean that to being a teacher that's i know that's hard work i was a teacher for a, a small amount of time uh at college oh. level uh for about five years and um yeah i know what that job's kind of like but the, you know kids are kids even if they are yeah. 16 plus um <laughs> And I was teaching DJing, so it was, you know, you should be down mm-hmm. with the kids on that front. Um, but you know, uh, it's still it's still teaching, so mm-hmm. part of a music tech yeah. course. So occasionally doing other things as well in that. But uh, my main thing was the DJ technology. Yeah, all cool. And and as we were saying before, I'm in isolation right now, so I'm in my yeah. in my in my chamber, if you will, um, <laughs> of solitude. And um, yeah, second time the app has got me, so fun times on that front um <laughs> yeah there's a, um, there's a silver lining to everything i suppose isn't there uh, there is there yeah there is there is um saying but, to the family i'm not allowed to come out of the cave like i'm isolating yeah <laughs> so, you have to stay two meters away government me. told me yeah. to stay in my cave yeah otherwise you <laughs> so, have to stay at home you know um but yeah no no it's always fun keeping the kids away from you is a joke but it was all good um <laughs> <laughs> my te- my tests were negative so you know come eight uh it was the 16th of august um, going into isolation won't matter, I don't think, because I've had both jabs. So, like, once I yeah. get a negative test, I've, I can go back in. I've had one so far. Yeah. Um, like I said, I waited until the summer, until it was the first thing I got done in the summer holidays because yeah. um, I couldn't really afford in the last few weeks of work in case I was off ill yes. from uh, the jab because yeah. things were just so hectic, tying up term. So, it was the first thing, I, so that's why I was a bit late. But I went out on Friday night uh, when all the clubs reopened. Cool. Did my test beforehand, uh, went to a small, like, 70-capacity venue in Leicester, where I'm from, uh, for a drum and bass night. It was sweaty, it was good, um, and tested a few <laughs> days afterwards, and I'm fine. Excellent. So it's all good. That's, Everyone was sensible. So. That, is, that is good news. That is good news. I am yeah. I am back in the clubs on the 6th of August, myself DJing, and um oh, it's, nice. it's gonna be the first time since lockdown i did a yeah. bunch of live stream stuff as most djs kind of adapted to yeah um but getting back into the club is what i've been waiting for and um you know they're announcing all the sort of like safety protocols all that kind of stuff passport um the, uh-huh. the lateral flow tests all that kind of stuff so i'm hoping my my good people that come to the club will be safe and all that kind of good stuff and uh yeah i think it's just being responsible like making sure you take a lot because well i've got a ton of lateral flow tests from work yeah that i've got at home but they're free anyway yeah i think it's just people just being conscious and responsible for themselves and taking tests before they go out and um making sure that they don't go out if it comes out positive or if they have to self-isolate or whatever yeah. so no exactly exactly so. But I, I just finished my isolation just in time for getting out into the world. Oh, no. Uh, which is nice, because I was, like, looking at it. I panicked when I first got the ping. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to miss, like, this thing. And, uh, no, thankfully, it's uh, a few days after my isolation ends. So, 
yeah no i'm looking forward to getting back out there i, I dj mainly rock clubs and stuff um uh-huh. and uh I, i'm uh we'll get on to like drum and bass shortly but i, I was drum and bass dj i am i said well i play drum and bass as well let's put it that yeah. way uh, i go back <laughs> to sort of like metalheads era um okay so uh i've got a lot of a lot of my vinyl is from that era so i've got uh yeah Dillinger, um j magic mm-hmm. Uh, all the sort of classic artists, uh, um, uh, Ekich, um, yeah, yeah, just like I'd, I'd get them out a lot of, the of valve recordings and, and things, and yeah, 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 yeah. And like Renegade Hardware. One stuff track like that. that I from back in those days that I still like to play every once in a while is uh, Acid Track by Dillinger. Ah, if you know that one, yep, that's a <laughs> that's a hefty one. It so is a hefty one. one. He was he was one of the pioneers of like real heavy, like dark drum and bass. Uh, from what I remember, yeah, um, and there was a great album that came out, uh, like a compilation album. Was it my sound, the one where he sat on some on a Valve sound system on the yeah. Front cover? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. And uh, there was a good one that I think Groove Rider and Fabian Groove Rider released called the Prototype Years. Um, oh yeah, I think I've heard of it. I've not checked it out though. I don't think. Yeah, it's it's, it's just a compilation album of, of stuff of that time, and it had um, I think it had your sound on it actually. Um, but it's Ooh. like John B. Dillinger. Um, mm-hmm. like just like the sort of like darker side um of of that the the drum and bass of the time, which was going in coming out of jungle and going into that kind of two step style um yeah which which you know that's that's the sort of era I go to like jungle as well to a certain degree I've got mm-hmm. a bunch of like old jungle stuff that I picked up at the time um I should really go through it and memorize what I've got again. Well, oh. <laughs> seeing as you as you mentioned John B and how lots of people are having to live streams, have you watched any of his live streams I on have. Twitch? The John B one, yeah. they are unbelievable. <laughs> they great. are absolutely amazing. He was like, because uh, I've <laughs> I've met him a couple of times, um, yeah, just through like going out to clubs and stuff, but also uh, at my day job as well, because uh, he's local to that area that I'm in. Oh, okay. And uh, he's coming there for when he's had issues with his Macs and stuff like that. So, um, but Ooh. yeah, it's just. Watching his live streams, watching how some DJs have kind of done stuff where it's just them standing in front of, you know, a camera, which is kind of what I've done. Um, but he's yeah. gone he's gone next level with the graphics. Yeah. And, uh, just, it's just like kind of, he's made it a proper party looking thing, like entertaining to yeah, watch. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think, um, like I've spoken to, I've known John for a while as well and supported, supported my tunes for a while nice. and we've chatted and stuff. And um, yeah, he's just really kind of he said before like if when he wants to do something he just go dives head first straight in yeah and embraces it so he learned everything to do with after effects and all the animation and video editing and then the streaming stuff he's gone full in um that, like, another example is just like on his instagram you can on his instagram story highlights that you can saw there's i remember sitting there watching and there's ones that are like just hours long of him when he renovated his loft like yeah um a couple of years ago and he just learned it all himself yeah. <laughs> like, just from watching youtube videos it's mental just watching all of these and now obviously the loft space he's got is where his studio that he yeah. does all the live streams from if people don't know that are listening to this just, if you look for john b beater on um twitch and just yeah just watch and you just be blown away yeah <laughs> no, totally do that do that everyone do it it is worth it it is just it's mental it's kind of what i aspire to want to do but then we kind of opened up again and i'm like well do i need to do that now but you know yeah like watching it and it's like well he's done it so it's just kind of like 
I wonder um, if he trans- translate it some some way into like when he actually goes back to playing playing out. Yeah, I, I, that, I mean, it is possible. He would need, you know, a projector. You could just take those <laughs> video layers. You could just take those video video layers yeah. and give it to the lighting yeah. guys, I suppose, and then they just randomise it. He's playing yeah. these big crabs and Theresa May dancing on screen behind him. And <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> and then old Bernie sat there and he was like, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that would be amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I've got to get out and like watch some shows again. I want to get back into that. If he doesn't win like best live stream at this year's Drum Bass Arena Awards, then I don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, exactly. That would be um, yeah, it'd be fun to see. Um, but we'll go against that, I should say. But um, yeah, no, it's it's one of the things I want to get back out doing because I used to like say back in the day I was at the Leisure Lounge in London quite often, which was a kind of. Uh, it was the Metalheads night they had there. It was kind of like a uh-huh. semi-legendary night. Uh, so like Goldie, Chemistry, Storm, uh, Fotec, stuff like that. And uh-huh. bringing it up to you today, I can hear a lot of those influences in there uh, from your new album. Okay. Um, so well, it's a kind of loose like kind of like transition here to talking about your music. <laughs> um, um, but you have got an album out on Fixed Noir. Yes. Um, yes. Which is the new division, uh, electronic dance music division of Fixed. Uh, they've recently mm-hmm. announced their their evolution. Uh, I've been a long-term fan of Fixed and Clayton, and uh, a lot of their previous artists have been on this show. Um, a lot of their current artists are on this show still. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've had Seething Akira on here three times. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've had um, uh, Voicians, uh I've had Clayton himself, yeah. I had Blue Starly. Um, you mentioned Zardonic, who's done a lot of stuff with Fixed. Yep, Zardonic as well. well. Uh, and yeah, so I have a long relationship with, with the guys at Fixed. Um, they, mm-hmm. used to, they used to kind of, we used to have a sponsorship thing going as well, where I'd have a discount code for people and things like that. Um, so we, we worked a lot. I used to live in the States and we just built up a relationship there. Um, and then, obviously, with this evolution thing, I wanted to sort of like get back in and get their, their artists back on. I had Seething Akira on recently. This was before they announced. Um, I'm going to say re-signing with Fixed, but signing with Fixed. Um, oh, like, okay. Because it was the second time round for them, but the first time fell apart for some reason. Um, oh, I didn't realise they'd signed more than once. Yeah, it was. It so. was because uh, anyway. They, they, yeah, it was. A, it's a long story, but you know they've come back round and, and Fixed have picked them up again, which is awesome. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, just sort of having that relationship with them and getting some of their artists that I haven't had on the show. So, like yourself, new artists with Fixed, <coughs> uh, specifically with their Fixed Noir um, division, if you will. So, they've broken mm-hmm. into three now, for those that don't know. You've got Fixed Neon, Fixed Radium, and um, Fixed Noir. Um, so, Neon we've yeah. had for a and while. And I think um, Radium is the classic kind of metal yeah. and electronic standard yeah. fix that people kind of know it for don't they so yeah so they've, they've rebranded the main because it used to just be fixed then fixed neon um so yeah. fixed is now f- uh fixed radium so it's still got cell dweller circular dust um Boisians, richie nicks uh i will never be the same um this is just off a lot of that's quite good uh seething akira <laughs> uh so they had like the chemists and I'll stuff keep like going that. i've got the list next to me i'm ticking off as we yeah. go yeah excellent <laughs> so, um yeah because i had the chemists on the show as well um oh yeah uh back before they actually signed for that album with them as well i seem to catch these yeah david because so um yeah because chem- they released album number three with fixed yes. didn't they because before they were signed yeah. to ninja tune and the mm. first ever actually 
the first ever drum and bass track I ever heard was the Spore remix of Stumpbox by the Oh, Chemist. nice. Yeah. Oh. So that was that was a bit of a life-changing moment for me when I stumbled across that on MySpace and heard the drop and the big siren going off yeah, and the yeah. basses and the breakdown. I was like, what's going on? This yeah. is amazing. That is awesome. <laughs> I've never heard anything like it. That's, so. a, that's a great connection, yeah. right? Because I love the chemist. Stompbox was my entry with them as well. Um, and yeah. they really came to the front with um, Lost Weekend uh, for me. Oh, yeah. In as much... Cause they... That whole album, Join the Queue, is amazing. Yeah. The second album's really good as well. And they got the... Enter Shikari collaboration on there, which yeah. you are my all-time favourite band, Enter Shikari. So. Nice. Excellent. Nice. Um, yeah, and then Warrior Sound, which was the one they released on Fix, they came out with. And um, yeah, that, I mean, that album I've played to death. I uh, played it in the clubs. I played it in, you know, all the stuff that I do, uh, along with other fixed artists as well. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be the fixed hour <laughs> when I DJ. It's just because you'd be fixed artists. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, just sort of... Um, like they've they've now announced that 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 kind of like uh, uh, evolution, as they put it in their announcement that they had a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you were one of the new additions, yes, uh, to the label. I announced with a few others as well, uh, or to the overall label. Um, and how did that uh, relationship first and foremost come about? Because obviously, before you had um, you've had, we'll go into your origin story shortly, but you've had two yeah. albums <laughs> out before this, um, yeah, on different labels. Um, but how did the relationship with Fixed come about? Um, so, like, yeah, I'm the only... They announced a, like a slew of artists um, that are signed to Fixed or got releases upcoming on Fixed, but I'm the only exclusive signing to Fixed Noir. Ah. Um, so the other artists, they're just non-exclusive. I think they're just kind of one-off releases or whatever. But, yeah, um, yeah so I released... Um, so Claire originally came out on my label, Yana Music, in January. Okay, yep. And then from about this time, and throughout the 2020, uh, we released the singles from that. Um, and it was through, uh, so I released my album and through a mutual friend, um, I got recommended to Fixed by Muzz. Um, used to go under the alias Muzzy, uh, he signed to Monster Cat. Yep. And he recommended me to Fixed because uh, they've um, got like mutual friends. And also uh, my friend Dave, who's the vocalist Balance, um, is also friends with Landon, who does A and R at Fix Noir. Okay. So they heard Paragons, yeah. and they really liked uh, what they heard. So they contacted me and my manager, and yeah, they asked, "Oh, have you got any? We're setting up Fix Noir. Have you got any like tracks you could contribute or whatever?" Um, I said, "Well, not really at the minute because I've just fin- I've just released an album, so I haven't really <laughs> got anything at the minute." Um, and they were like. Um, but I was like, but have you heard the rest of, like, yeah, we really like uh, what we hear in Paragons. I was like, have you heard the rest of the album? And um, they were like, no, not yet. So they went off, and we had another meeting about a week later, and they changed their tactic completely, and they were like, yeah, we want to sign that album off you and sign you exclusively nice. after listening to it. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it went about. This happened kind of back in, we had, there was a bit of back and forth, like contracts and lawyers, like there usually yep. is and stuff yep. like that, and and publishers. And I think signed on the dotted, signed on the dotted line around March time. Um, and, yeah, they would re-release um, the album. And we also had been sitting on the Zardonic remix of Paragons anyway, which originally was going to come out on my label, okay. Yana Music. Um 
but we thought maybe Fix could probably just do a better job of it full stop anyway if they released it. So, um, so yeah, that was the first kind of release, re-releasing Claire, but also sticking the Zardonic remix onto the back of that yeah. as well. And yeah, that's that's essentially how, how it all came about through a mutual friend. And then, yeah, like I said, they originally wanted just one or two tracks, see if it could contribute anything. Yep. And they ended up changing their tactic completely after listening to Claire and brought the album rights off me. So That's awesome. And it is a good, it's, oh, it's an amazing album. I love it. Um, I've had it on. Thank you. I've had it, well, I've had it constantly. There, on rotation with a few others <laughs> but it's it's um it's one of that's the- why the big spike on spotify happened yeah that's maybe <laughs> maybe um, i i just it's, it baffles me sometimes because i used to be so ingrained in certain scenes and 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 i still i still seem to miss things so i totally missed mm-hmm. like your evolution from uh your previous albums and stuff like that and and you were on a lot of like compilations and stuff which i think i do have <laughs> like drum and bass compilation <laughs> which is bizarre because i'm like I, you know, I normally I would, I would have, I'd look on my like, you know, iTunes list and I'd see what I've got. Um, but I stopped copying stuff a long time ago cause I'm using the streaming places and yeah, it, it, yeah. it's just sort of like, you know, I've got no sort of reference points on that. I cut my CDs are in a box somewhere. I don't, I rarely take them out unless I'm specifically uh-huh. looking. Um, but could we, could we just go back and, and just sort of get some of your origin story? Cause like I said, you released, you've already released like a couple of albums prior to this. Um, yeah. first one that I can see was 2015. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. With well. yeah, um, section nine, section nine, um, and then 2018, you had uh, you are um, is it you are alone or you are not alone? I need to put the not you are not alone, but the knots in brackets. That's it. So yeah, I was just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. If we can get some of your origin story, I know we've already touched on a couple of like the moment you kind of like heard drum and bass with the chemists and the, uh, yeah. the stump box remix and stuff. And what is your sort of like origin story within music and things like that? Yeah, so just in music in general, it's always been from that rock and metal side of things anyway. Mm. Um, I think my first moment when I kind of realised I want music to be something more than just something to listen to in my yeah. life is I had a, I was like about 12 years old or something and my friend at school just wouldn't shut up about Green Day's American Idiot album. Okay, yep. So I was like, go on then, let me borrow it and I'll see what all the fuss is about. And yeah, I think the copy was slightly damaged by overuse by the time I returned it back to him because <laughs> that was in loop. And then I discovered like Mike and Michael Romance with their Free Cheers album. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was at that point where I realised I wanted to like kind of make music. I wanted to be in a band. Um, and like I tried being in some bands and it wasn't... Like, it was fine because I, I could play guitar, but, like, all they wanted to do was covers of Sweet Child of Mine and Don't Look Back in Anger and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm killing myself here. This is horrible. Yeah. Um, so, like, my musical taste just didn't really align with other people that were, like, playing guitars and stuff like yeah. that. And um, it wasn't until I picked up um, Enter Shikari's first album, Take to the Skies, on a whim um, from a Morrison's one day. Um <laughs> Because I kept on seeing, I kept on seeing like Kerrang and magazines talking about them. Yeah. So I was like, right, I'll give it a go. And then, yeah, I just fell in love with Enter Shikari. And they kind of also, I discovered electronic music through them. Yeah. As well. Because my perception of electronic music back then was stuff like Cascada and Scooter and stuff like that. And just bleepy noises and high pitched vocals. I was like, it's not really for yeah. me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it started. Um, so, but that's when I discovered electronic music. 
and I used to kind of write guitar music and stuff like that on a piece of software called Guitar Pro. Yep. Um, with the intention of like fantasizing, yeah, one day we'll, we'll I'll get a band together and we'll play these and um, yeah, we'll get someone to sing on it. There's actually, I actually found those old, because I used to submit those demos to ultimateguitar.com, those the guitar profiles yep. under like fake band aliases and I rediscovered them like a few months ago. Uh, and <laughs> there's actually a YouTube video uh, of me and my housemate like reacting to them. Oh. Um, and these are from like when I was like 14 or something like that. So like 14, 15 years ago or something Amazing. like that. And <laughs> they're, not, they're awful. They're absolutely <laughs> awful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you go onto my Twin Was Broken YouTube channel, there'll be a video there. And from there, it's just our faces just just our faces pulling faces and of disgust <laughs> but so um but yeah it was then i discovered that um the lead singer for ashikari Ra reynolds uh he also had like a site he used to like have an electronic music side project yep. as well and um i think he did various different aliases one of them being route yeah and at that point then i realized hang on i don't actually need to be in a band to make music so I was like, well, how do, how do I go about making these sounds? Um, so I got my hands on a copy of FL Studio um, and then, yeah, later switched to Ableton like a year later and just kind of, that's where it all started, I yeah. suppose. Um, downloading FL Studio and going through all the demo projects that came with it and kind of reverse engineering and remixing them yeah. in the project and stuff like that. The stuff like, obviously, YouTube wasn't really a thing back then. No. Um, but I don't even think like Google video was a thing back then, which was like the precursor to YouTube. And, yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of had to learn from literally trial and error and reverse engineering what the software provided with the demos and stuff like that. And I kind of used to make, um, what could we kind of be described as like IDM music. So like a mix of like break core and glitch and like ambient music and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah at silly tempos at like 210 BPM and stuff like that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's, and then like, if then this is kind of where we loop back around to like me discovering drum and bass. It was like, well, I've heard of IDM music, but like, I don't really know of many artists. So I Googled, well, I went onto MySpace and search cause you could search by genre, yep. search IDM. One of the top people that came up was Spore because he had it tagged. And then I discovered clicked on it. I think the first, he just released his remix of Stompbox at this point so yeah. that was the top track on his thing and yeah from that point as you do um, I kind of stopped listening to um, like rock and metal and as anyone does when they first discover drum and bass that's all they live and breathe for god yes. knows how many years <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so I just fell into the rabbit hole of drum and bass and other styles of bass music and stuff like that so oh that's and, awesome uh, that is awesome. That is that is quite the journey on there as well. It's um and oh. I, I love the way it came from like that rock and metal side, uh, and the Enter Shikari were your gateway to that, to the sort of like drum and bass and jungle kind of electronic yeah. side of things. And um no, I mean Shikari, um again, previous guest on the show. <laughs> oh really? Cool. Yeah, I had uh, when they released their album last year, the Nothing is true. That's it. Nothing is the true, one. and everything is. Yeah, they just yeah. released a documentary series on that on their YouTube. They're about two episodes yeah. in, which are quite really well made. So, yeah, and I've 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 known them for a while back in. Oh, where we go back now? Going back a years ago, um, but they supported my band 
um, in London, their their first London show, I think it was, um, uh, upstairs at the garage, and um, they were the the main. Oh wow, that there. would have been a real long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're talking like demo t- era um, before uh, Take to the Skies. Um, oh. I do have that CD somewhere amongst my stuff, um, and I know on Discogs it goes for quite a lot. So <laughs> see if I run out of money. Um, but no, I've known those guys for ages, and 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 I've always loved that like electronic side of things, uh, mix- mixing with rock and metal. Um, sort of going back to uh, like some Ministry, Fear Factory, the sort of more industrial side of things. Uh, mm-hmm. Band called Pitch Shifter. Um, they did it really well back 20 plus years ago um and they were like the precursor to a lot of those bands like like into shikari and things like that they were the influence for them and things um and yeah just uh like that that whole drum and bass scene mixing with 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 the rock and metal is, is uh-huh. i love it <laughs> that's my that's yeah. my like total thing um but yeah i mean you're you're like the journey you've had like on that front it, it's just i just love it to come from that because i went from like kind of like rock and then into electronic, and then kind of back again. Um, yeah, and now it's the I, same happened with me. You kind of gone full circle. Yeah, yeah. Now. And now I'm mixing the two. It's like I've got like a, a music show where I mix rock and dance music. Um, like I've got a radio show that I can do that on. I've got live stuff I can do that with as well. If the people uh-huh. on this particular rock night, there are some rock nights where I can't do it because it's they just want the heavy stuff. Um, all the classic stuff, you know, that kind of like, you know, sweet child. Well, the first kind yeah. of drum bass <laughs> I listened to was um, The Chemists and Pendulum. Yeah. Which were obviously, they were kind of rock bands as well as drum bass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, acts as well. So it's kind of, that's always kind of been like a love of mine. Um, so, but yeah, like over the, from, so that was probably what like 2009 or something like that when i kind of discovered drum and bass 2008 2009 yeah um my first release was on subs my first kind of release on a label uh commercially was on Subslayers, and i've done all sorts uh like so that first release was like a future 140 future jungle stuff yeah um and that's that's kind of where I started in that breakbeat scene with the 140 like future jungle um jungle tech kind of thing um and yeah that but it, my heart's always kind of been in drum and bass and there would always be a drum and bass track or two on those EPs that I released and then yeah we kind of as time went along it just kind of because I also did like a bit of dubstep bit I did a bit of garage as yep. well future garage so it used to be very kind of multi-genre but then up until the point of when I released my first album, Section 9, um, which was a real mix of, like, drum and bass, um, breakbeat. There was even some kind of, like, glitch hop tunes on yeah. there and some garage stuff. And, yeah, I was really happy with how that turned out, but I later realised that because every track was like, in a different key and a different tempo, it was an absolute nightmare to feature those tracks in my sets because they yeah. were just so all over the place. Yeah. Um so and then not long after that i released my first track on viper which then later led on to me signing exclusive with them for a few years and it was by that point it was kind of predominantly just just drum bass yeah um that i was releasing and around that time i was kind of heavily inspired by a lot of like ambient music and more like experimental kind of techno-y kind of stuff people like uh john hopkins or max cooper 
those kind of guys that I was really big into and try to incorporate that with my drum bass sound and my love, but my love of drum bass has always been that kind of stand that in the middle big room kind of dance floor sound so like sub focus and metric and dimension yeah. stuff like that and and yeah I'll always kind of parted along after leaving Viper I set up my own label Yana Music because I had a backlog of tunes that were originally going to come out on Viper but then we decided to part ways after the album um so i used it as a vessel to kind of release those yep. and but i just felt like i was kind of looking back now i was just kind of generic just a generic drum and bass producer there wasn't really anything like a unique selling point apart from having a silly name i suppose <laughs> um so like yeah just like another sub focus dimension copycat or something like that is kind of just what i was kind of like and then like along this time i kind of rediscovered metal um like i stumbled across i can't remember i can't remember how i got back into metal but i remember it being um architects uh lost together lost forever album the one with naysayer oh. and gravedigger on yeah um that i discovered that's also the first time i'd heard like properly low-tuned guitars i was like learning that I, I was like oh, i want to learn like the guitar tab for naysayer or whatever and I looked at the tuning and I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, could the strings even go down that far? Yeah. And, um, cause it was like a, like a kind of like a variation on like drop, drop G sharp or something, yeah. uh, for that tune. And then I discovered North Lane, uh, oh. in particular a track called Citizen, um, off their Mesmer album, which was kind of like, it was in drop F. And it was written in F minor, and it's around. And F minor is kind of like a perfect key to write drum and bass in, or just bass music, and bass music in general, because that low F is kind of the sweet spot on like a club sound system. Yeah. And that's why so many tunes are written in that key, for example. Yeah. And it was also around the drum and bass tempo, and I was like, like the cogs in my head started whirring, and I was like, maybe there's <laughs> some kind of, maybe there is something in maybe kind of mi- mixing this style of like metal to like heavier gentier kind of style yeah with the low tuned with drum bass and i kind of milled on it for a while and it wasn't until i actually had a house flooding about it's coming up to two years ago uh, my house our house got flooded and yeah we had to move loads of stuff got destroyed um, thankfully none of our real valuables got destroyed but with the like home insurance payout i was able to invest in a seven string um, so I could play those kind of low tunings and I thought, well, from that point onwards, I kind of, that's when I started to kind of experiment with merging the whole metal and drum and bass side of things. And the first one I wrote was Paragons, which is probably the hardest track to write, write because I was, it was working out how to make them work in the first place. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just kind of moved on from there. And I've said in like other interviews, like it's. I've been releasing as Toronto was broken. So my first EP, my movie EP that came out on Subslayers, which had um, my track Spirit Song on, that did really well. Um, it turns 10 years old in January. Oh. And <laughs> like I've said, like it turned, like it's taken me 10 years of producing, but I feel like I finally worked out what my sound is. Yeah. And what my niche is, as opposed to just being another dance floor drum and bass DJ, for yeah. example. Yeah. So, yeah. And some of the stuff I'm working on at the minute, um, like post 
Claire some of the remixes I've done and some of the original things I'm working on as well. They've re- I'm really pushing how far I can merge that metal and drum bass together. So I've kind of like tested the waters with Claire, yeah. worked out the worked out a formula so to speak, but also not wanting to restrict to restrict myself to this formula. But like, okay, right, I've tested the waters now. Now this is how I'm going to push it as as far as possible. Yeah, and yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that because, like I said, that 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 amalgamation of 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 specifically drum and bass and metal. My mm. that's my like spirit child, if you will, on that front. <laughs> yeah. um, it's something that I've always loved to do. I've always loved to remix stuff like uh, on the fly mm-hmm. or. You know, just in general, I'm not. I wouldn't put myself out there as a producer of any kind. Um, I'm, you know, I do stuff that is more of a hobby level when it comes to remixing and stuff. I've been a musician. I've done that touring. I've done that yeah. side of things. I've, I've, you know, I now do this. So I'm more on the journalistic side of things, which is kind of a- you kind of like just doing doing it for you. Yeah, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And if I can, make- so it's how how music started for me. It was obviously just a hobby, but now it's kind of a bit more. So yeah, yeah. I've got other hobbies as well that are kind of just 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 for me. Yeah, I um, mean it's nice that those hobbies will always just say just for me as well. Like <laughs> no way of turning into money money making ventures. No, that's so. fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, we've all got those. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's one of those because I've always like I've always aspired to be something that, that that does cross genres. Especially I love just like making people dance as my thing as a DJ. Obviously, it's like mm-hmm. as any DJ is making people dance and. And you can probably see behind, if I turn behind me, I've got turntables behind me somewhere. There you go. Oh, okay. There. <laughs> yeah, there we Just go. There. there we go. Um, there's two of yeah. them. There's honestly, there's another one there as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've always sort of like aspired to, I've just scratch DJing for the longest time. Um, that's when, when I was in a band, I was a scratch DJ. So I was part of that, like a new metal movement where hip hop and metal crossed over. Um, mm-hmm. And I was a part. Yeah. Obviously. So like, new metal was like a big influence. Just those groovy kind of riffs. Yeah. And obviously, Linkin Park were like a big influence on me. One of my biggest regrets is never going to go see them live because I was unfortunately one of those people that were like from like album four onwards. Were like, eh, they're not the same anymore. And, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of stopped following them. But yeah, I fell back into that. I don't know. I went through like a really depressed stage during the first lockdown of just watching lots of Linkin Park stuff. Yeah. And. And like, for example, the Hollywood Bowl Memorial show they did yeah. and catching up on all the stuff that I'd missed, the albums, they're all amazingly produced stuff and like listening to Mike Shinoda's post-traumatic album and yeah, yeah just making myself sad that Linkin Park's no longer a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I wrote Gunfingers straight afterwards because that was the kind of the new metal track on the album. I was going to say, it's one of the ones uh, I got The one that's inspired me. by Points of Authority. Oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, I've got yeah. that. I got that that one with uh, was it with sabotage as well. You got sabotage, yes. And we have just um, he came to mind this weekend, just gone uh, at the time of recording this. And yeah, we've we've done our follow up for that. Nice. Um, and we thought we set the bar too high, maybe with Gunfingers because it just came together so easily. Yeah, um, Gunfingers. It was just a real easy vibe. Like he got it. He like the, it was like either the first or second take that he sent over to me because obviously we did destroy lockdown and he he'd nailed it. Nice. um but yeah this time around i've kind of this <laughs> like maxed we're full on maxed out with this one and really excited to show this one whenever it may be done and put out so excellent i look forward to that yeah i was gonna say it's, it's one of the ones i've got written down along with paragons which we've already talked about as well yeah um uh yeah no I, I, the album claire if anyone's listening go listen to it now you can pause this go listen to it now it's great it's it's like <laughs> yeah. 
it does it, it feels that kind of like it's like all the stuff you talked about you know even like sort of being that kind of like you know uh big room uh drum and bass if mm-hmm. you will uh with the well, guitar kind of like yeah like the first half of the so i kind of did this unintentionally but like the first half of the album up until the interlude track is kind of my more classic kind of dance floor big room kind of sound yeah and then once the interlude hits and it goes into gun fingers and then free fall and cut into you is the more kind of guitar oriented yeah. orientated kind of centered kind of stuff and that's kind of all the stuff going forward so i'll be i'm signed on to do my next album with fixed and i'm aiming for that new album to be kind of 100 percent that kind of paragon's gun fingers kind of sound okay i also going into it i wanted it to equally appeal to metal and drum bass fans yep i didn't so obviously mixing rock and metal sorry mixing rock and drum bass is nothing new like we said pendulum and the chemist had done it but to me it's kind of just sounded like drum bass with guitars on it yeah if that makes sense yeah and there's some acts as well recently like muzz and metric that are kind of doing a similar thing um but i feel like the guitars may be more of like a supporting element whilst this was like tracks in particular like Paragon's Gun Fingers to Freefall, I want it to be 50-50. Yeah. Like, metal and drum and bass. Um, like, nobody's done any metal ba- breakdowns and drum and bass yet. No, it's true. So that's why I had to put them into mine. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, do that. Keep doing that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I put up the pit, a little circle of death. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, I mean, looking at, obviously, I take it you, you, you go out, you DJ, uh, clubs like you know and drum and bass nights when, stuff like that when yeah when we're allowed to um but how are you looking to bring your music to sort of like the live feel like the live fitting who who do you have um a couple of musicians you're going to work with or is it going to be a solo thing or are you just going to have like yourself and a just well a- so we thought about me and my manager talked about this briefly before because obviously the stuff on claire kind of translate quite it can can translate quite naturally to live yeah um obviously because it's electronic music you'll be very backing track heavy and stuff like that mm. um but um yeah i think it would be a live band situation not just me with a controller kind of thing okay. you know? uh and like, standing there with a guitar and controller because i think that might look just a bit cheesy but like yeah, it would be a live <laughs> yeah. band thing um we thought about like there's there's definitely people that we know that we could get session wise yeah um to fill in the slots and stuff like that um so yeah it's something we'd like to think about but we need to kind of just get back into the clubs first so me and sabotage um are going to kind of do as many club shows as we can and stuff maybe towards the next album finishing the next album that that would maybe make more sense as to if we were to do a live show when to when to put that together yeah and show that uh when it comes around to finishing off album number four so but yeah definitely doing it as a live band is a goal at the end it's just a big logistical nightmare essentially isn't it and there's lots of lots of technology involved and yeah a lot of pre-production and stuff yeah but to be fair metal bands these days they have tons of pre-production and they do production with their live shows as well nowadays don't they They do indeed it's um it's no longer just plug the amps in and away you go it it really it really is and there's a few there's obviously bands that still do that but there is a lot of care taken in the pre-production of their live performances um because like as a sort of like you know i always found when playing live there were some places where or some nights you just didn't sound as you should 
that makes sense and we started like because i was the dj in the band i started dabbling in the electronic side of things so a lot more sampling and a lot more things like Mm -hmm. that so we would beef up the sound with like you know i'd be playing a synth or i'd be playing you know um like triggering samples or triggering breakbeat you'd have sequences going and stuff yeah yeah so we'd have like so it would it would give like you know i mean i know there's big bands out there that have like they play with backing tracks there's only three of them on stage (laughs) they don't sound that big i'm using muse as an example here you know they've they've always yeah. had that like i've seen them yeah. headline well, and shikari have got a massive amount of pre-production into all their shows yeah, as well exactly exactly yeah. and they've got you know they they travel as either sound system or as themselves as well and they they know what is needed to give their music that the feel they need to on a live scale and i've seen them on many different stages and they've sounded mm-hmm. good on all of them um it's the same yeah. with muse i've seen them on tiny stages i've seen them headline festivals and they sound amazing mm. because they do have that. They they they're conscious of what they can do themselves and what they need help with. Like in as much as like you know, if if it yeah. is a backing track where it's just like a layer of you know um, synth or whatever, where they can't you know they're all yeah. playing their own instruments. Um, and it's it's kind of a way of doing it without having to bring others into the band as well. Because obviously, as a band, yeah. you have a kind of like. Yeah, unless you're bringing in session musicians, then they know the score. But if you're a band that you've been formed with for years, you know how everyone thinks. You know how... Well, there's just simple things, such as, like, when you record guitars, for example, you double-track them to get them to sound nice and wide and big. And you can't just duplicate the one recording over because it doesn't work like that. There needs to be two separate things. So, essentially, to do that live, you need two guitarists. Yeah. But if there's only one guitarist, yep. well, you you need a backing track of a second guitar going, don't you, to fill that out, essentially. Because yeah. um, you can try widening plugins and stuff like that. It just doesn't sound natural. No, no. We, I sound the same. tried it with, like, speakers so, across the stages and stuff as well, and it's just sort of, it's just the sound at that point. It's not d- stereo. I, I, yeah. Ultimately, it needs to be two different takes that are playing to get yeah. that sound. So just little things like that. Yeah. Just, you need, you need double, you need the backing of the guitar going the whole time, even though you're on stage yeah. playing guitar, so... No, definitely, definitely. And, it, you know, it's, it's something, obviously, you know, you, you, you know you need to do that. <laughs> and like I say, a lot of bands yeah. these days, even, even new so bands, thankfully, they know this. Um, so. I met my manager um, at Audio River Festival, which was actually three years ago today, because ah. um, it came up on my Facebook memories. And I was playing the set before, so set before Fred V and Graphics. Mm. And this is when they did their live band okay. show. And my manager, John, was their tour manager and, like, production manager for their show Okay, back then. So he's got all the know-how and experience of how he turned their stuff into a live band thing for them. Um, so that's why we talked about it before. Also, he put together, like, the live shows for Curran Sound as well, if oh, you've cool. heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, thankfully, I'm quite lucky that I've got someone whose background is in live sound and live production as my manager so no, that's good that's good it's good to have that knowledge because so, it is a tricky yeah. it is a tricky minefield because you don't want to end up being too reliant on something um and then yeah and if having... something goes wrong and yeah yeah so you just need to have you know obviously it's having the barriers of protection if you will um but yeah no that's that's good to have that knowledge there and, and having someone that that has done that um yeah. is yeah that's going to be helpful for you <laughs> on that front um yeah i know some people have like kind of so i think it's fox stevenson where he got a load of his tracks and he 
basically stripped them back into like a punk rock kind of like one guitarist one bassist one drummer kind of thing thing but that involves essentially rewriting the tracks and they're not yeah. the same tracks whilst i want people to hear these these tracks yeah um and also like one thing one of the challenges that i came across when trying to merge the two sets metal and drum bass is so metal music when you listen to recording isn't mixed down so it works in a club yeah um because in a live venue because the the band's going to replay it live there's going to be a totally different mix for the live thing that would translate to the live setting but wouldn't necessarily translate to a recording uh whilst with drum and bass the version that you hear live is the final mix the mastered version that you hear on the release yeah um so try so i also had to like work out as well as learning how to mix down metal in the first place from scratch i had to also learn it in a way where i had to beef it up to stand on par with the drum and bass sections as well yeah so like it's, it felt like i had to learn how to produce again which was yes. good because I, I think maybe i was getting into a bit of a rut getting yeah. a bit stagnant yeah it's so, um it's but now it's a totally tricky. different way of working for me which yeah. is great no it's tricky because i remember um like going back to me again with, the, <laughs> with my band and experiences there like re- when we came to recording we were we were recording ourselves uh we didn't have producers come in but like getting a balance like you're right getting a balance between that like the electronic element um and like all the digital and the analog element like getting the levels right pre- you know making the production work for both <coughs> both sides of things because there was mm-hmm. that point of like you could have like you know you got your, your main track going and then suddenly i'll hit a break beat and it's just like bang and it's really bright in yeah. comparison and stuff yeah. Like, yeah so that's one thing so um i recently did a masterclass series for some guys called sound teams mm. which i'm not sure it will be out by the time your this goes live uh, going out it goes live at some point in august and people can subscribe to it and stuff like that and watch yeah. it and I talked about how I merged it and I actually kind of did a little bit of a PowerPoint lecture and the challenges and stuff like that. That's my teaching <laughs> background coming through because I love a PowerPoint. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so for example, like distorted, like a metal mix is actually quite, even though, so the reason I, I, the two styles I think maybe appeal to me is because fundamentally at the core of it, they're both styles of music that are based more on rhythm and groove yeah. than anything else and they follow this whole big wall of sound kind of idea yep. so they sound big and it's more about rhythm and, like i said drum and bass way to describe it drum and bass you can i describe it as a physical force because you can actually feel it yep. like you go into a club you feel the sub hitting you it actually physically moves you you just feels like energy yep. and um, metal is the same in that regard as well yep. and yeah, obviously there's tons of really good technical melodic kind of stuff on both sides of the thing, but at their core, they're both about just hitting hard, going fast, um, having that groove and energy and rhythm. But if you actually put the two styles of music next to each other, frequency-wise, there isn't actually, like, the lowest lows in metal and the highest highs aren't actually there either. It's quite a narrow band frequency-wise. Yeah. Well, it's and bass it's the full spectrum so you've got the lowest loads because you've got a massive sub and you've got the really nice tops yeah so it's trying to compensate those another thing for example like the guitars so guitars even though they're distorted if you um so like 90 percent i think like 90 percent of the guitar sound is the cabinet it's coming out of that yeah. is the guitar sound the cabinet yeah. 
However, it completely, it like really narrows the sound of it. So if you play, put it in like a drum and bass track with the synths going, it sounds incredibly dull mm-hmm. and doesn't sound bright at all. Yeah. Um, whilst if you took the cab off, it becomes bright enough, but it sounds ear splittingly awful and horrible if there's no cabinet yeah. light coming out of. So I had to work out a way of keeping that guitar tone whilst bringing back the highs. Um, so I had to do something like way tricky by like layering stuff together and things like that to yeah. bring the brightness back, but also keep that core tone of the guitar. So yeah, lots of challenges. Like it was a, there was a lot, there was a lot more to even consider before even, and to think about and discuss before even putting pen to paper, so to speak. Yeah. So other things as well was like something I wasn't really expecting was, so the guitars on my album, I'm not an amazing guitarist. Uh, I could play some fairly simple riffs and stuff like that, but um, it's all performed live by myself yeah. and recorded in. They're not um, not programmed guitars. I could have got programmed guitars, but then you might have worked to make them sound good and also I'd program stuff that's just unrealistic or <laughs> way beyond my ability level. Um, but yeah, I had to, even like the most basic riffs, um so like for example the most simplest riff is probably like the intro riff to gun fingers mm. um i still had to practice it for like a good day before i could actually record it yeah just to make sure it's get it bang on and spot on whilst we, so the writing process is totally different because i'll often start off with like a guitar part or something and then i need to practice it for a while and write it and then program it hit, then record it in whilst with other stuff, with drum and bass generally, you, you're not having to practice what you, you just open up a piano roll and slap yep. the notes in yep. and then quantize it later or whatever. Whilst this, I actually had to, even though I still had to do a fair bit of editing and cleaning up the DIs and getting them bang onto the grid yeah. and stuff like that, it still, I still needed to practice what I wrote before I recorded it, which yeah. is something, something that um, I think people that just make drum and bass just don't really expect necessarily. Yeah. So, yeah. No, definitely. If you're bringing that kind of like, if you call it an organic instrument into it, yeah, um, because it's because it's a physical aspect and it has its own its own sound, its own life, if you will. Um, like mm-hmm. you can just smack a guitar and it makes a sound. Um, whereas if you hit a piece of digital gear, you might break it, but that'll be about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's got and you've got to get that right. You've got and playing it and all, yeah, every time, every time you hit a note. Even if it's the same note on a guitar, you can never replicate the exact same thing that you've done twice. It's impossible yeah. on an acoustic on a on an acoustic instrument. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Well, man, I've got a couple of questions left for you, man. I can let you go yep. the rest of your day. Um, but yeah, what I want to get is, um, as this is the first time you've been on the show, I want to get your three um, mm-hmm. your three top albums. We've already kind of covered some of them, I think, but your three top albums that are real like pivotal for you um i know we've kind of we've discussed some of them but if you want to name three of them um that'll be awesome okay so not necessarily favorite albums but pivotal albums yeah, yeah exactly gonna say. Yeah. okay so it'd probably be then um american idiot by green day yep so that was the first album that fell in love with music then i think the Acts of Mad Men album that came out in 2019 on Viper Recordings. That was a compilation album. That was the first ever drum and bass album I brought. Okay. Um, 
And then third most pivotal album. Then probably would be Mesmer by North Lane. Okay, cool. Oh, no, hang on. No. Oh, can I have four? Yeah, you can. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I'll put Tate to the Skies when Shikari in there as well. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, Falling in Love with Music is American Idiot by Green Day. Yeah. Then Discovering Electronic Music, Tate to the Skies, Ben Shikari. Then Acts of a Bad Men by Viper Recording, so the first drum bass album I learned, uh, brought. And then Mesmer by North Lane is when I kind of fell back in love with metal after listening to that album. Nice. Awesome. There we go. Great, that's cool. They're all fantastic albums. Uh, I'll have to check out the Acts of Bad Men because um, I haven't heard that. Yeah. But uh, American Idiot. It's from like 2009, 2008. Okay. Something like that, cool. So. No, I'll dig it out, see if I can find it out anywhere. Uh, yeah, Mesmer, uh, North Lane. Uh, yep, know them. And Shikari, we've already discussed like, on that front. But yeah, yeah no, fantastic choices there. Um, so uh, what are your hobbies away from all this? Because you did mention earlier you've got some hobbies that are just so for you. So I have clocked on the Necromunda box behind you. Yes. <laughs> yes, so I am a big table. I am a big uh, tabletop gamer. Cool. Um, so I play forty k. Nice Age of Sigmar. Um, I've got some Necromunda as well. Um, bit of Warcry. Really big into um, like the Grim Dark Inquisitor twenty eight kind of kit bashing yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, if you're familiar with that, yeah. Some other yep. games as well. I played outside of Games Workshop games. I played a lot of Kings of War in oh. the past. Um, a little bit of Infinity, Malifaux. But yeah, um, I'm all right. At, um, I'd like to say I'm, I'm half decent at painting, but I'm god-awful at playing. But yeah. Okay. No, so, I've, but I've not that's... actually had... Pardon? No, I was going to say, I can clock behind you the cabinet you've got with your mo yes. uh, models in them. So you're showing them off. Um, I can see yeah, well, it's in the... Well, that's a reflection. Yes. That's a mirror. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess yes. the only way I can see so, I can't see to the right of you. If I could, that would have been weird. But <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, I do have an Instagram, uh, which is just Christian Hoffman painting for all those kind of things. Okay, cool. Uh, um, but yeah, if there, uh, so yeah, what was going to say? Yeah, I've not. To be honest, with how much has been going on with signings are fixed, and also finishing up at uh, the end of term at work. Um, I've not actually done any hobby since like Easter time, I think. Oh, okay. Um, so I've I've kind of committed to myself to one week during my summer holidays before I go back. Uh, I've got about three, four weeks left, spare a week aside to not do any music stuff and just crack on with a load of painting. Nice. So I have got boxes and boxes of stuff. Yeah. I've got a whole like flesh eater quartz army up up there yeah. for Age of Sigmar just in the boxes still. Yeah, <laughs> like I got, I've assembled. got just boxes to it. behind my camera just here. I've got, like, I'm a bit, I'm very much into my Necromunda, but I've got, like, four boxes at the moment of all the new drops. Oh, uh, nice. Um, yeah, I've painted actually tons of, I've done some um, some commission work just for a friend. Yeah. Uh, painted up the Vansars. Nice. They were really good. Um, but I picked yellow as their main colour. Okay. And after that, I was like, I'm never painting yellow again. <laughs> so, because um, yellow is just one of those uh, painting the arse colours. They are. Um, yes. I've got the, the lax, which I did in like a black. So that was nice yeah. and easy. Yeah. Um, I've got some real nice kind of grimdark looking. Uh, so my main ones are corpse grinders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. So I've got some real nice, uh, quite happy with, I don't know how well you can see. Oh, show off. Good. I don't know how well uh, it's a bit... If you look on Instagram... Yeah, I'll go on Instagram. a lot better. Yeah. I'll go... um, but yeah, I've been experimenting a lot with, like, in the past year or so, um, using using oil paints. Oh, okay. 
um, doing a lot of weathering techniques and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I've also got half... Because you can... i tell you what, the books that they release for Necromunda, the rule books are some of the nicest they produce. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so with the with the gold yes. leaving and stuff like that, and they're just really well well made. Um, I've got like the beginnings of like a kit bashed um, Slanesh Chaos Cultist team. Okay, I use the some of the Blackstone Fortress Cultists to base those off, and I've got a Slanesh Age of Sigmar army, so okay. I had tons of spare bits left over from that that nice. I just kit bashed into them. Um, so so yeah, I, I do quite like Necromunda. I think I do prefer the smaller smaller skirmish things yeah that's what i mean that's where i'm at i mean uh, the 40k side of things the bigger side i've 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 never been able to really get into necromunda i was into i've got first time round. i've got necrons mm. uh when they re-released it uh when they released ninth edition last year yeah. i got the indomitus box and i have got a fairly hefty um i think probably just over 2000 points now of necrons okay got about 600 points left to paint but that consists of some of the, the big guys yeah. that i've got left paint including the silent king i've got him all prepped and primed and in sub assemblies um but i went for a relatively quick scheme of those which is just basically white pick out the brass metals tons of oil washes and yep. loads of pigments and some of the contrast paints for base coating and yeah they're just they're just and some like martian style bases with like pigments and they're all just covered in like pigments like they've all just come out of the ground nice. and on mars or something nice. so but yeah have a look on the instagram i will i don't really talk about it too much with um the mute i keep kind of keep that stuff separate yeah yeah because again it's nice to have a hobby that's just for me no that's the thing i mean no the, way to monetize yeah, it that's the so. thing with me I, I it's the same like away from everything this is it's quite a secluded like hobby if you will uh in as much as like mm -hmm. when you're painting and putting these things together it's just nice it feels like takes that time just gives you that moment of like you know I know I find it really relaxing now um I don't rush my stuff like I did uh fir no. first lockdown that was when I sort of caught up initially uh with my back yeah first lockdown I did tons of stuff yeah um yeah which yeah around this time last year during that lockdown I yeah. was just full on hammering it through but I was also working from home yeah and I was still that first lockdown I was only really teaching like three four hours a week yeah over zoom and then the other times i set work so i'll be sat around a lot of the time and my desk here if i just spin around here i've got like an l-shaped desk so if i spin round, yeah i've got my painting station here where if you ever see videos of me doing production stuff you'll see like the racks of paint and stuff to the side of me nice. and whatever <laughs> um so but like even like for example the the post christmas lockdown we had even though i was i was teaching five six out full five six hours a day on microsoft teams but i'm sat at my desk so I can just, yeah. in between things, I could just spin round, pick up the brush, do two, three minutes, get a colour down, come back round, yeah. or sing the music, or just little tinkering things. I was like, off you go, kids, yeah. do this yeah, worksheet, do and I'm just going to go paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, so I'll be on hand in case you need something, but try to avoid asking me for help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wasn't like that I was, at all, just in case anyone from work is that's listening. That's right. So. No, no. Fine. It's all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that first... But yes, we will have to... We will have to, at some point then, um, throw down some dice at some point. Yes. Some Necromunda. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds Blood Bowl like... is a fun game. Blood Bowl is a good game. Yeah, if I tilt my camera up above the Necromunda box. Ah, there we go. Is that the <laughs> second, is that the brand new, Blood, latest edition of Blood Bowl? Um, the, the, the... No, no, it's not. It's the previous one. The 
Yeah. Yeah, I've not that. played that new one. I did have a Lizardmen team. Because uh, I just... Skinks are... Skinks are just my favourite thing. Yeah. In the whole Games Workshop universe, just skinks. Like, they're not very good, but they try. So, yeah. <laughs> like... But I did I did manage to, once in the game of Age of Sigmar, a, a skink did cause a wound on a Bloodthirster, which was quite... Nice. Which was quite exciting. Um, but, yeah, I had a star player called Little Skittles. He was wonderful. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and then I played... Because I've got, I've got a local... I've got a local store. Cool. Um, that's kind of like when that local store... Um, opened is when I kind of got back into it probably yeah. about six, seven years ago and discovered all the games outside of Games Workshop, so like Kings of War and Infinity and Malifaux and stuff yeah. like that and War Machine. But, um, yeah, so, but then, so we had a uh, Blood Bowl store league and I had the same league, for, same team for about three leagues and then there was just one game where just, they all just got killed, not <laughs> actually killed. Oh, wow. Because in Blood Bowl, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's very rare. It's like what double six or double one yeah. on the injury roll, and they're dead. Literally five or six guys, including Little Skittles, was dead. And I was like, I'm done. It was like the last game of the season, and I was I... like, oh, no. So I need to get, I need to piece together a new team. Yeah, um, definitely. Before <laughs> we get back into it, but look, Blood Bowl is amazing. We just like to me and my housemate play it a lot. Yeah. as well and we just like when we put off a play just like screaming blood bowl <laughs> yeah. just like so yeah no, blood for the blood bowl god exactly exactly and, and nuffle is not forgiven it's just stupid and uh, fun so. <laughs> yeah I've got, I've got a couple of teams i got my kid into it one of my kids into it um she chose the dwarven team so incredibly difficult to beat <laughs> so um <laughs> they're slow but once they've got the ball they're not letting go of it yeah yeah she figured they, that so. out early she's only 13 but she figured <laughs> that one out early um but yeah and i was uh i've got a rat skin team and um nurgle as well oh yeah so i've got the nurgle nurgle the i'll tell you what some of the nurgle miniatures are some of the nicest to paint yeah um just because the amount of textures um but yeah i've got the nurgle team actually um, half painted mm. um, so somewhere I'll have to dig them out maybe that could be my team for the next season finish them off yeah maybe <laughs> yeah cool well stinking everyone out no worries it's all good man thank you very much I've I, I really enjoyed thank the you. chat we've had um, and it's always nice to see a fellow like uh, gamer on that front as well because it's yeah uh, <laughs> I did clock them in that mirror and I was just like I wonder are they are yes. they not um, and then you brought it up because you saw what I've got behind me. So yeah, that's uh, all good. That is all good. I was going to show you my love bowl pitch. Actually, that's just that. Let me just turn my camera like this. Excuse me. Oh, side. nice. It's a made one. A friend of mine um, donated that to me. Uh, Let's point. just hope they never change the board size. Well, yeah, there is that. That was kind of what <laughs> I was like. But this thing was built like years ago, so it's it's sustained a lot, and I'll, I'll continue to play that size if I'm using it. You know, make special. Yeah. Make, use it as a sevens pitch or whatever, because that's slightly smaller if it yeah. needs to be. Well, it's just blood bowl. It's just it's just stupid fun. It's, oh, it's totally. just stupid. Yeah. Just like oh great, I've rolled like <laughs> I've rolled a triple schools. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, no, it's fantastic. I love playing it. It's just playing it purely for fun, like you know, and and just some of the things. Yeah. The the um, the video game version is really good as well. Yeah. It's literally just a direct translation of the game. Um, yeah, I've got that on I need my. To get, um, well, they've done some others as well. I think Battlefleet Gothic is one they've done, which yeah. is just a direct port of the miniatures game. Yeah. And there is a, is there more time? I think there's a more time one. There as is. Well. Yep. Yep. Not played more time, but played a lot of Frostgrave, which is like the modern day. Yeah. yeah. More time. Um, made by um, Osprey. Avoid a couple of the Necromunda ones for now. 
<laughs> yeah, I heard the latest <laughs> Necromunda game. Uh, my housemate's got it. It's, it doesn't work very well. No, that so, hired gun one, which is kind of like the Doom run and gun type thing. Uh, is that the one that's just come that's out? That's the one that's just come out. That's not bad, but it, there's some bugs. There's some annoying bugs and things yeah. they need to change. The one before that, the turn basis burn, um under Hive Wars, I think it was called, um, isn't, uh, isn't yes. a, that was... It, was all hype and no so the XCOM styled one yeah I think they tried to uh, the mobile one's not yeah. bad the mobile is free so you know you're not going to lose anything but the mobile version's good um, but yeah no those two console based ones or PC based ones are uh, there's a lot of fixes that need to be done <laughs> before before yeah. I go back into them <laughs> um, but yeah no I, I I played Blood Bowl on the Xbox so you know I kept, picked that up and as my kid we've been doing that during lockdown and stuff so Cool. Yeah, I've got it on PC. I've not played it in a while, though. So. Yeah. Cool. So, well, yeah. Christian, mate, thank you very much. Um, like I said, I appreciate all the yep. time you spent thank with you me, for all that me. kind of good stuff. Uh, good luck with the album and everything. I look forward to hearing more thank um, you. on that front as well. And um, yeah, I'm going to be playing um, uh, Gunfight, Gunfingers, sorry, uh, <laughs> at the club as well. Um, so I'll let you know how that goes. Oh, on nice. That um, yes. Because I was trying to bring in some like new stuff, new like just doing like because I like to do like a, like I say a DMB type rock mix. And it's always been yeah. kind of not repetitive, but you know the same sort of songs. But I love to drop in something new. It's a bit limited, so yeah, yeah. You got your pendulum, you got your chemist, you got you know all that lot. But it was just sort of like you know, it's always good to hear stuff I can drop in. Um, I'll tell you what's so. a really cool track at the minute that I'm living is the brand new Metric and Graphics track Overdrive. Okay, that's just cool. come out on Hospital. Uh, it's got that old kind of new metal vibe to it with the like hip hoppy beats and like the kind of chorusy, clean guitars and it's even got little scratches in it as well ah um, <laughs> I like that that's good <laughs> I even messaged him like look at you Mr Han look at you go <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry that was so, but yeah no that's that's one I'm obsessed with at the minute Overdrive by Metric and Graphics Graphics that was it so, cool. yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go get that because I've got so. a couple of Metric tunes recently and I'm, I'm, liking, I'm liking what they're yeah. doing so um, but yeah no cool thank you for that I'm gonna definitely check that one out and uh See if I can get that one in as yes. well. <laughs> cool. I'm well, go listen to it after we're done here. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to fire up my uh, my <laughs> streaming thing. So, um, cool. Well, man, have a good rest of your day. Uh, it's nice. And it's nice, kind of early and everything. Enjoy the rest of your school holidays and whatnot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, I mean, we'll speak soon again at some point. Um, but I'll look forward to hearing uh, more music from you. Cheers. Thank you.